0: Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran, and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went to the tomb, went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. He is risen. Dare his disciples believe it. I read through the four gospels accounts of the resurrection, the four stories that tell of how Jesus' friends, his followers, met him after he rose from the dead. And as I read about those experiences, those encounters, the stories of how the disciples discovered that empty tomb, pondered over the grave clothes abandoned, reeled at the words of the angels, and wondered as they encountered the risen Jesus. The sense I get is of confusion. The sense is of a lack of coherence. Things didn't seem to click into place straight away for the disciples. Suffice it to say, they weren't expecting this. I get a picture of swirling grief, confusion, heartbreak, and rumors that are too good to be true. Doubting Thomas gets a bad reputation because he was the only one not in the room when his dead teacher shows up. (laughs) The women get the honor of being the first to witness the empty tomb and meet the angel and then Jesus himself. And nobody believes them. The disciples meet Jesus watch him eat food. He's no disembodied ghost or spirit. They feel his skin and bones, and then decide to go back to being fishermen. It's really human. It's really real. A picture of people in shock, working out what on earth has just happened. And as the dust begins to settle, And Jesus' friends and followers begin to work out what this means, that Jesus rose from the dead. One of the many questions that they asked was, so what does this mean for us? Easter Sunday is, of course, a joyful day. It's a celebration. But it's more than just, yay, we got our friend back. For Jesus' disciples, it was more than just, killing me didn't work, let's keep hanging out. (laughs) And for us, it's more than just, yay, Jesus won. There's more to it than that. This Easter Sunday morning, I would like to pose a few questions and have a crack at answering them for us. Thank you. (laughs) Firstly, Easter Sunday... So what? Jesus rose from the dead. What does that mean for us? Secondly, where is Jesus now? Thirdly, how can we know that this isn't just a nice story? How can we know that this really happened? So let's get stuck in, shall we? What did Jesus' resurrection do for us? Well, yes, of course, there's a bank holiday. There's a time to enjoy spring arriving, the good weather, reflect a bit in the sunshine. There's an excuse for a big family roast dinner, and the chocolate goes without saying the chocolate. But apart from the bank holiday, the time to stop and enjoy spring, the roast dinners and the chocolate, what does Jesus' resurrection ever do for us? (laughs) Everything, everything. Easter weekend is the culmination of God's personal mission to run right in behind enemy lines, rip you out of the clutches of hell, and throw you back into the arms of your heavenly Father, even whilst disarming your own rebellion against Him and restoring you as a beloved child of His, ready to receive the relationship that God made you for in the first place. Easter weekend, from Jesus' betrayal by His friends, his false trial before the false religion leaders, his completely unjustified execution, and then his miraculous rising from the dead. Easter weekend is the wonderful, the mind-blowing transaction that God offers each of us. If we say yes to him, he will take our lives without God and put them to death on Jesus' cross, a death that, frankly, our old lives deserve. And with Jesus rising from the dead, God gives us the brand new start of life with him clean life pure life a restored relationship with our caring creator without that all of the fluffy bunnies the chicks and the chocolate are as empty as a hollow egg friends this this is the message of the bible That the God who created everything, who created us, was heartbroken by our rebellion. The messes we've got ourselves into. And the distractions that we dance in front of ourselves instead of knowing him and his love for us. And that he wasn't content to leave it at that. But that he came after us, even paying the ultimate price to win us back. God died to reset your relationship with him. And what about that new relationship? Well, it's an unhindered intimacy with the father who loves us to death. It's being filled with joy, peace, and love. It's being given the delight of seeing him at work all around you, and even better, seeing him at work through you to bring his kingdom of love into this world of pain. That looks like him giving you impossible knowledge about a friend's situation so that you can tell them that they're loved by God when they most need to hear it. It looks like being used by God to heal people and see them restored in their minds and their bodies. It looks like being a part of heaven come to earth. There's a guy called Paul, he experienced meeting Jesus not too long after he rose from the dead, who put this really well. Actually, in fact, I think it's worth mentioning that for a while, Paul was against these Christ followers. He was one of the people who saw them as a nuisance, a distraction from the world getting on with the other important business. In fact, Paul was on a mission of hunting down these Christians and arresting them when Jesus appeared to him and changed everything. It's worth saying that if you are a guest this morning, still working out what you think about Jesus, or if you're coming back to church because it's Easter, firstly, happy Easter. We are honored to have you with us this morning. And God is absolutely in the business of meeting you, yourself. So I really would encourage you to give him a chance this morning, even before we get to what we call prayer ministry time, just silently within your own heart, offer him a, God, are you... Are you really there? Would you speak to me? I am convinced, dear friend, especially new friends, that he loves you more than you could possibly know. Anyway, Paul, as I was saying. Paul, whose life was transformed after Jesus revealed himself to him. This Paul ended up spending his life traveling to places to tell people that they can meet God for themselves and writing to those little church communities he started to continue teaching them about God, even from a distance. In one such of those letters to a church in Colossae, Paul wrote this about Jesus and what Easter means to us. Can we have Colossians 1? Would that be all right? It starts like this. May you be filled with joy always thanking the Father. He has enabled you, why don't I read it, He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to His people, who live in the light. For He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the image of of The visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and is supreme over all creation. Through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made things we can, the can see, and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, the unseen authorities of this, un, the authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. This Jesus, he existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ, and through him, God reconciled Everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now, now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he's brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. What does it mean that Jesus rose from the dead? What does it mean for us that Easter Sunday happened. It means that we have eyewitness evidence of God's great reset. Jesus was raised. That means, in verse 18, that the promise we will be raised to looks a lot more believable. In verse 20, we have the reassurance that Jesus' death wasn't him being defeated, but was the fulfillment of God's rescue mission exchange, our brokenness for his holiness. And it means, verse 22, that when we do pray, when we ask to meet God, we can face him with a holiness and a blamelessness that is given to us by a new life in Jesus. Easter Sunday gives us an egg of a new life with God, that if we allow it to hatch, will grow into a beautiful new relationship between him and us, where he promises that we will soar on wings like eagles. What a transformation. From the loneliness, the secret shames that fill the life that this twisted world has to offer us. In another letter, this time to the church in Ephesus, Paul says this. Once, you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ Jesus. Like a toddler throwing a tantrum in Tesco that needed mum to drag him home, we needed God to reach around our flailing rebellion to remind us what love is. He came to us, he came for us when we were still busy fighting him. In the words of the Jackson Five, he wants you back. (laughs) Easter Sunday is heaven opening its door to us, clearing away the barricade that we'd put up on our side of it, and inviting us to come home into the relationship that we were made for. Which leads me to my second question, which you may or may not have been asking, but I think it's interesting. Jesus rose from the dead, so where is Jesus now? (coughs) Last July, we had Dr. Moffat from the theology school here in St. Andrews come to preach to us on just three verses in the book of Acts chapter 1. The story of how the resurrected Jesus being carried to heaven on clouds with the astonishing disciples watching him. It was an excellent talk on why it's so important that Jesus ascended to heaven, and I recommend that you go and listen to it on our website. For this morning, there's a Bible verse in a book called Hebrews that tells us ex- exactly where Jesus is now. When Christ had offered for all time, a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus, not defeated by death, but raised to life in victory over it, later ascended to heaven without needing to die again to get there, which I think is pretty impressive. He sits in a place of honor at the right hand of God the Father. That's pretty cool. So when we talk to Jesus, when we pray and say, hey Jesus, can you help me with this thing? Jesus can turn and say, hey dad, can we do this one for me? Look how completely pure and holy they are. I think that's pretty great. But there's more than that. That quote from the letter to the Ephesians answers another question for us. Where are we now? Verse four of that passage said this, God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and get this, seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Easter Sunday means that if we accept the transaction on offer and allow our old selves to be put to death on Jesus' cross with him and allow him to give us new life with him when he walked out of that tomb, then that union with him continues right into the throne room of heaven. And we find that completely undeserved, we get to look at creation from God's perspective. We get to command bits of this fallen nature to be healed in Jesus' power. If that sounds strange to you, that's something we're starting to see here in Kingdom Vineyard. People accepting Jesus' offer of his healing power and, in Jesus' name, telling bodies to be well. And then, seeing actual physical healing. Honestly, if it sounds too good to be true, stick around a little. Have a look for yourself. Because of Easter Sunday, we can go to God in prayer from within the throne room itself. Without a hint of awkwardness or shame. Because of Easter Sunday, we can bring the kingdom of heaven into this world around us. We can expect and see God's reality breaking out around us here through his faithful people. At this point, I want to pause and invite a couple of friends up to share with us some stories of what God has done in their lives. Romana, Dave, can I ask you to come and stand next to me? The stories I'm asking these guys to share are just from the last couple of weeks. Uh, For anyone who wasn't here last week, tell you what, mate, would you grab that microphone? Thanks. Uh, No, but bring it over anyway. Thanks, mate. For anyone who wasn't here last week, we had a guest speaker called Joel come and share with us some stories of what he's seen and done as part of his mission to bring God's kingdom to the world around us. Joel shared some wonderful and encouraging stories, and actually I suggest you grab that talk on our website on your way to looking to Dave Moffat's talk about, the resurrection, about Ascension. Great. Uh, Dave, let's, um, let me check that mic for you. Look at that! Great. Uh, oh, look at—he knows how to work a microphone. You could, you're a step ahead of me, mate. Uh, Dave,
1: tell us about your back. For about 20 years, I had a really, really bad back, compressed discs, just, just bad, just work injuries for a long time. Um, go to work certain days, come back, lie in my bed. Just really kind of bad, week, anything. And on Sunday last week, Joel was here. He prayed, and that kind of thing. I started feeling better in my back. I thought this is quite weird. So I didn't want to say anything, so I got up and I left and walked to the car and goes, well, this is all good, I was still quite shocked what was happening. Next day, I was well, sitting after I phoned, got in touch with Jim and said, hey, chance I can get time with this, this guy, no problem. So I went for a bit of lunch on Tuesday, prayed for me again. I'm able to walk about again, feeling great. I was able to run up the stairs the first time in a long time, so it's great. So, thanks.
0: <laughs> amen, amen. This is good, but before I let you go, mate, um, you were a shorty, weren't you? Tell me, do you want well, to j- I
1: think this way, walking about like that, and Jane, my, my partner, is a, a lot taller than me. <laughs> and she keeps saying to me, You're getting smaller, Dave, because my back's compressed. I'm f- maybe just my back is so I can feel standing up again. I'm not as short as it was.
0: Amen. <laughs> oh, so God grew him, which I think is pretty great. I was five foot two last week. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> good. Awesome, thank you mate, stay there, Um, in fact stay there and hold that for me, even though you're finished. I want to tell another story before I ask Romana to to share as well. We had another healing which is just astonishing, I'll just give you a little bit of context for this. During Joel's talk last week he shared a story about a woman who had scars from self-harm up both of her arms. This woman met a Christian who God had told to go there looking for her, she would be in a certain place, and uh, look out for a woman with a specific tattoo, gave the name that was on that tattoo, it was amazing, Uh, and that Christian went there, there she was. So the Christian prayed for her, and then afterwards prayed that the scars on her arm would disappear, and together that woman and the Christian who prayed for her watched the scars melt away. Now that's an awesome story. Uh, There was a part two of that story. That story was shared in another church gathering, a bit like this one, Uh, and when it was shared, there was a, a woman sat in the congregation who felt something change within her when she heard that story. So she got up, ran out to the bathroom, and checked her own self-harm scars. They had completely vanished. That was the story Joel told last week. I was massively encouraged by it. The reason I haven't asked this person up to share just now is I'm protecting their identity for obvious reasons. But there's someone who was in this room last week who, whilst Joel told that story of scars disappearing, thought to herself, nah, mate. I don't buy it. Might have used different words. (laughs) (laughs) When she went to the toilet here, in Victory Memorial Hall, before leaving here last week, she saw that the top of her legs, where her self-harm scars had been, the skin was completely clear. Yeah! Yeah. I mean, Amen. It's, it's applauding the Lord, and yes and amen to that. Let me, just, let me just call that out for you. We've got a story here. One of someone I've, I've brought up and shown you, another person who we're obviously understandably protecting identity of, but there's two stories of Jesus healing someone miraculously in this room within the last seven days. God is doing stuff. Jesus is alive. Romana, I want to ask you to share a, a different sort of story, if that's all right. You, yeah. you even turned it back on again? He's really good at this. Do you want a job on a tech team, mate? Yeah. Doesn't pay very well. Go for it. OK. Right,
2: you're going to have to put up with me, folks, I'm afraid, because I have two stories. And for people that have known me really well over the past ten years, they know that I'm not somebody who's up at the front every week with something to say. I'm, not, I'm normally sort of hiding at <laughs> the way back and, you know, enjoying the worship, not talking. So this is my abridged version. So basically, I live in a house which I've lived in 15 years, and over the past few years, I have been revamping it. So I've been using various tradesmen. And I go to the Edinburgh Vineyard as well, and we've been doing the same book, Everyday Spirituality. So the week we did the chapter on healing, literally the next day, my tradesman texted me with, right, when can I come and look at this job you want me to do? And I went, well, not this today, mate, because I'm in Edinburgh. And he went, okay. So we fixed a date. And I said, well, how are you anyway? And he went, oh, my back, you know, it's really sore still. And every time I see this guy, he's always complaining about his back, okay, every single time, because he was in the forces and he hurt it on exercise, I think. I can't remember now, so long ago. So anyway, he came round this last week and he was looking at the job that I want him to do. And I said, you know, you know what, you know, you're here now, let's just pray for your back. And he went, what now? And I went, yeah, now, come on, let's just do it. And he went... What does that entail?
0: And I said, well,
2: you know, God might do something instantly. He might do nothing. You might feel like prickles. You might feel heat. You know, you might wake up tomorrow and it's better, or maybe nothing for months, you know, but it's not going to make it any worse. Hmm. So do you know what? Can I just do that? And he went, okay, you know. I said, when's your next appointment? And he went, oh, I've got to be in Cooper in 10 minutes. (laughs) No pressure, and of course, I wasn't living 10 minutes away from where he had to be. It was further, so I thought, okay, fine. So anyway, felt a bit odd, obviously, bloke in my house, but anyway, I put my hands near enough on his back, and I had like four sentences. So, you know, Lord, please heal. You know, he deserves it. He's been in pain for years. Just please come. You know, in the name of Jesus we sang earlier, please just pray, you know, pray that you'll heal him, and I just thought, I took my hands away. So, whoa, beg your pardon? Why are you saying whoa? (laughs) Well, Romana, my back is really, really hot. So I went, okay, my hands aren't hot. I'm not feeling that. And he went, all right, okay. I said, look, you're going to be late. And he went, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be late. So he rushed off. And about two hours later, he texted me with, do you know what? My back stayed hot for a whole hour. Hmm. And the heat went from my back all the way to the front. So I was like... Great, you know, thank you very much. <laughs> so a couple of days later, texted him again, didn't get the price for the job yet, so I'm hoping that's going to be
0: good. <laughs> that's not, that's not.
2: <laughs> so.
0: It's not what we're doing here.
2: That's... I know, I know, I know. So anyway, I said to him, how's you back? And he said, never been this good in years. Never been this good in years. Wow. So I'm like, thank you, Jesus. That is perfect, mm. perfect. The second story, equally as wacky, so my, one of my friends has a sister who's had ovarian cancer. And obviously, we all know that's a pretty hideous, traumatic experience. She's had to undergo chemo. And every time I've been speaking to the sister that lives near me, how's your sister doing? Oh, she's not good. She's got neuropathy in her fingers. So much so that on cycle five of six cycles, they had to reduce her dose to half, And on cycle six, because she no longer can drive, because her feet are literally numb, and her fingers are going incredibly numb, they cut this particular drug altogether. Well, anybody who's thought about the possibility of even getting ovarian cancer knows that you really don't want to abridge any of your treatment. You know, you want it to work. So anyway, I bumped into her. She'd come to see her sister for the week. And I said, right, you're here in the village. Can I pray for you? And she went, yeah, OK. And she's had, over the years, you know, she's met with God, but she's not, she's not there at the minute. And she said, okay. So she sat down, and I put my hands on her feet. And I prayed. No pressure this time, because, of course, there wasn't the time limit. So I just prayed, similar sort of thing, you know, Lord Jesus, heal her, um, heal her mind and body, all the sort of normal things you'd wish for somebody. And I waited, and then I said something else like that, took my hands off. And I looked at her face, and she was smiling. So I said, you know, and? And she said, the second you lifted off my feet, I felt a pulse go from my toes to my instep on both feet. And I was like, brilliant. That's really good. So the following day, I texted her back. Any better? No, still numb. I said, right, OK. I'm coming round later on then. I'll do it again. So I went round again later on and did the same thing. No idea what I said then, because I'm rambling. I don't know what I said. Similar sort of thing. And I put my hands on her feet. And this time, I could physically feel like somebody was flicking at my fingertips. And I looked at her and she went, can you feel that? I said, yeah, can you feel that? She went, yeah. (laughs) So it was like, yes. So you know, I've not heard she's healed yet, because after Joel's talk, I came to the front, because he said, anybody who wants more help in this area, please come forward. So I prayed for by the lovely Lisa who had some sort of backstory that she thought God was trying to tell this woman. So I do believe that once this lady that I'm praying for sort of says to God, come on, mate, what's all this random <laughs> you know, feeling in my feet about? I do believe then God is probably going to say, okay, then, now I'll heal you. Amazing. But um, yeah, sorry for my rambling. No,
0: but. thank you, mate, thank you. Would you give these guys a round of applause for sharing? Thank you. Go for it, guys. Thank you. Oh, cheers. It was really worth asking these guys up to come and share because I love love it uh, when you don't just hear from one person who's given the task of speaking in the morning, but you hear from real life people in the congregation who are experiencing God's healing and experiencing being used to communicate his love to other people through healing. What I love about the two stories that Dave shared and that I shared anonymously are that these astonishing miracles are what God is up to right here within the last seven days. And what I love about the story that Romana has just shared, or the two of them, is that it's one of us, it's a member of God's family, one of his sons and daughters, taking a risky step, giving God a chance to break into someone's world and show them that he loves them. And wonderful things are coming from it. That tradesman has experienced God's healing power. Which means that the invitation one day of, hey, do you want to try church and find out more about God there? That invitation has so much more power to it when someone's already encountered Jesus. Jesus gives us access to heaven's power to heal in this world. Unrestricted access to God's kingdom coming because of Easter Sunday. I had one more question that I want to address this morning before we wrap up. How can we know that Easter Sunday really happened? How can we believe that Jesus of Nazareth was raised from the dead? That Jesus is the Christ Messiah Savior from God? There are two chief witnesses to argue the case, the Bible and the Holy Spirit. In this church, we describe ourselves as charismatic and evangelical, by which we mean that we emphasize and deeply value the word of God in scripture. Get one of these, they're dead good. We also deeply value the presence of God, thank you Lord, and the gifts of God given to us in his Holy Spirit. The followers of Jesus, who became the first church, of which the worldwide church is the descendant, these followers boldly told the story of what they had witnessed and experienced even in the face of political and religious opposition, even sometimes at the cost of their own lives. They handed down to us the eyewitness accounts in the scriptures that became our New Testament, our Bible, in situations where it would have been a lot easier to stay quiet. They gave up so much to make sure that this truth was passed on so that the opportunity to meet God and accept his offer was shared with the world. I believe in the Bible. And what we call the New Testament is the explicit unpacking of what Easter means for us. It's a whole set of books about what God is like, and also what reality is now like, because this man Jesus was proved to be who he, was, who he claimed to be, the Son of God. The second chief witness is the Holy Spirit. God's presence himself. We have been, as you've just heard, so blessed in this church recently with profound experiences of God's presence, including these healing stories that we've shared earlier and more that we haven't shared, but also in times of worship that we've had. In our home groups, God has really shown up. He's also given us words of supernatural knowledge, things that have undeniably been from him to show us that he loves us and is still doing his stuff today. And here's the thing, we pray our prayers, we invite God's presence and power in the name of Jesus, and it works. God honors those prayers, answers those prayers when we ask Jesus to come and do his stuff. The fact that God answers to the name of Jesus, that our relationship with Jesus is our relationship with God, I think that's a pretty powerful argument. Not only do these two witnesses, the word of God and the presence of God, make good cases on their own, but they work together. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through the Bible, and the biblical descriptions of what God is like confirm and work with the Holy Spirit. That makes a really convincing case indeed. So, to come into land, Easter Sunday, it's a historically believable, spiritually coherent, powerful moment with incredible consequences for us. Not only is God real, but he's for us, despite our best efforts. And the unimaginable kindness that he's shown us, like an adoring parent overlooking every vicious insult the child has thrown at them to reach over that flailing rebellion and lift the child to the best cuddle he never deserved. God adores the prodigals who risk that journey home. It's worth taking a day each year to honor it. Easter is great news. And also there's chocolate. (laughs) Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. And it also leaks down a bit here too. What on earth can we say in response to that? Well, now then, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority, before all time, and now, and forever. Amen. Why don't you stand? I would love to pray for you guys. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. Um, Before I do, I want to reissue an invitation. In just a moment, uh, when I've said amen, if you would like prayer for anything, I would love to invite you to come forward. Maybe you have uh, a need, maybe even a need for physical healing. We don't guarantee anything, but we'll ask Jesus to do stuff for you, and we know that He does answer prayers. So uh, if you'd like to pray for anything, in a moment, come right on down. Stand at the front just here. We do it at the front so you can see that nothing weird happens. Also, we're full at the back now. (laughs) When you come forwards, a trained member of this church who's been trained to pray lovingly and respectfully will come alongside you, say, Hi, my name is, and and what can I pray for for you? So that's what it'll look like. If you've got a need for anything, if anything that I've said or anything that you've heard this morning, anything from from what Rachel said has spoken to you, we would love to stand with you and invite Jesus to bless you. And also... If you just want an extra touch of God this morning, come on down, let's pray, let's pray. We love you, Lord, Ah, oh, we praise you, what a gift. What a wonderful rescue mission. And we invite you, please, Lord, make it even more real to us. Show us even more clearly, each of us personally, in our hearts, how much you love us. Would you come, Holy Spirit, in greater and greater measure? We invite more of you. Come do your stuff. Amen.